It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Hello, Tuka. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Tuka. (laughs) Okay, guys, I... I have a lot of love in my heart for my boys. Brandon Carlo is playing like a beast lately. Fucking insane. Nolachari, he is like just helping out his line mates as much as he can. But I got to tell you, I, I, I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love with another Bruins player. Do tell. And he happens to be stuck in a fishbowl. Sean Corrali is so much fun. Oh my god. Corrali good right now. Oh. Not your best work, Tim. Not your best work. Tim, <laughs> Tim, two minutes. Two minutes minor penalty for bad pun in the in the penalty box. <laughs> oh my god. He is okay. playing like a man possessed right now. Yes, yes. First of all, uh, you are listening to Barely in Topic. I decided to change it up a little bit. And I'm here with Jeff and Tim, and we're going to continue. Yes. That was Jeff. Ah! (laughs) 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 Last night, Mandy referred to uh, Sean Corrali as Fishbowl, and now that's all I want to call him is Fishbowl. Yep. Fishbowl! He has to keep wearing it. Forever and ever. I, I can't possibly see how he could justify um, taking it off at this point. Like, ever. No, he's 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 never played as well. And and I don't want to see what that looks like without him wearing that. He's got to wear it. Did you happen to see the, the lovely pictures of him with pasta? I missed those. Oh, they're so sweet. They're on the Bruins Twitter feed. They love each other. It's so nice. It's just guy love you guys. It is sky love between two guys. <laughs> it's sky love between two guys. Okay, nobody else can sing with me. That's fine. Mm-hmm. No one needs that. Not for me. Yeah, I'm not a good singer, but I, I just that's one of my favorite like parts of Scrubs is just that whole musical ensemble. Really, the rest of that that song, sure. Like the rest of that episode's war crime, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what? That's the music. That's the musical that the the. the the, the musical episode in general, is it not? I love that episode because, first of all... I don't all, think it's the musical episode, no. The musical episode was awesome. Really? It's pretty usually pretty widely considered um, uh, Scrubs' shark moment. Oh, no, what? I loved it. Yeah. Oh, man, no! There, like, here's the thing... is like, season nine. Well, like, like <laughs> season... Oh. Remember, remember, jumping the shark is not the same thing as circling the bowl. <laughs> jumping the shark no. is the po- jumping in the shark's just the inflection point, not necessarily when it becomes bad, but when the slide starts and cannot be reversed. <laughs> you know what? I really wish I could sit and watch the whole series of Scrubs again. God yes. damn it, Netflix! <laughs> so that I could prove you wrong, because I can't remember every single little detail of every single episode, and I deserve. I think this deserves further reflection. It's just a thorough rewatching, and all of us document the point at which we feel like the show ceases to get better. But, but wait a minute, 
wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, okay, okay. okay that's okay. what jumping the shark is. It's when it, okay, it's not even just that. It's also at the end of the plateau as well. But like you know. Okay, Scrubs doesn't need to get better. It just is so good, so good, so good. I literally only have Hulu, so I can watch Scrubs from time to time. You know, we're going to table this conversation for another time because everybody knows that the way that this podcast really works is when we talk about Neil Diamond (laughs) and Fezzes. Friend of the pod, Mandy, was rather fond of last episode. Um, (laughs) We'll get into that a little later. (laughs) Okay, getting back to... Uh, yes, I, I'm finding that I, I, I'm I falling for Sean Corrali. He has to wear the fishbowl all the time. And, oh my god, they talked to him like a couple times last night in between periods. And I couldn't help but notice, like, his nose is really, really straight right now. And I'm, I'm gesturing to my nose in a kind of disgusting way. But... Uh, double picks, what she's doing here, listeners. I, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's like, it's right towards the nostril. He has like a couple of stents in his nose to kind of keep his nose upright and, so the cartilage can heal. Um, that's what's going on. You can't see them, but I have seen people who've had nose jobs who had the exact same thing going on with their nose. He He's just getting a, more oxygen than everyone else right now. That's what it is. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> his VO2 level's 120%. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm just saying that his nose was really, really messed up. And I I think that he's got something going on to kind of help his nose heal. That's why he has to wear the fishbowl. And maybe if he's getting more oxygen benefit from it, maybe they're just pumping it into the fishbowl. Like just he's got like some lines of oxygen, just pure oxygen. See, see, that just makes right there Corrales smarter than like any character in like an Aliens movie. Like Prometheus. They just go places without helmets on. It's like, you're on an alien planet. You don't know what why are you doing this? <laughs> I thought you meant the movie Aliens from nineteen eighty six. I mean it also applies to that one. All those space marines did not wear helmets either, despite not knowing what they were walking into. I mean it applies tenfold to Prometheus and um the other one. You know the other fastbender one. Aliens what's that? What's the subtitle on that one? The beginning. Ah, uh, real aliens. Requiem? Uh, oh. Is Alien the... Requiem or something like that? Is that that the was one fairly. With the most... No, no, no. That's. That. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's <laughs> resurrection. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the recent one I'm pretty sure is like Alien Requiem or something like that. I'm going to have to fact check this. I think. It had Danny McBride in it. I know that. And yeah, and again, it was the second Fazbender one because they had had him play the same robot twice. Apparently, they ran out of robot guys. Oh, they fuck oh, things up. I when you <laughs> okay, ready? This is where this is where it all falls apart. When you kept saying Fazbender, I just kept thinking. First of all, I thought of Bender from Futurama, bending things fast. <laughs> Secondly, I thought. Oh, is there an Avatar character that was a Fastbender? That makes no sense. And then... No, no, no. Fastbender is an actor with apparently an unusually large schlong based on the movie Hung. Yeah. Everyone was talking about it at the, at the, at the, um, in like every single acceptance speech at the Oscars that year. Isn't that Talking about Fastbender's way. Not Hung. Maybe something similar. But anyway. 
I have not seen Michael Fassbender's Wang. I think I've drawn the line there because I'd probably never want to see anything else again. (laughs) From what I understand, it's pretty spectacular. Yes, Um. yes. Like, there could be no more beauty in the world. (laughs) Let's just stop here. I'm pretty sure it's got its own gravitational pull based on what the jokes (laughs) were making at some of those award shows that year. Wow. Fassbender's center of gravity is actually like an inch and a half up his long. <laughs> I can't believe I haven't thought about Michael Fassbender so much in a long time. And now this is what I'm going to leave this conversation thinking about. You're welcome. The movie title was called Alien Covenant. Ah, Covenant. Yeah. <laughs> that robo fastbender fuck shit up we'll call it that there. <laughs> robo fastbender fuck shit up part the second <laughs> I like fucking shit up boogaloo <laughs> Sean Corrali <laughs> is awesome and I love him that's what I've decided this week yes excellent <laughs> so my suggestion of what you should have gotten your uh, your, your initial uh, uh, winter classic jersey, which you still do not have, um, should have been Corrali. I was right. I told you this last time. I know, and it's just it's just becoming more true. And and if you keep insisting on, on telling me how right you are, <laughs> it's not often I make suggestions to people that aren't awful. You see, so. <laughs> 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 be it intentional or otherwise you, you usually a genuine good good suggestions i don't make a lot of those well so when you told me, to me when you told me i should get luchich <laughs> i said no i draw the line and obviously i didn't mean that shit <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say it at all <laughs> <laughs> i was kind of thinking like, this doesn't sound like something i would have said even as a joke <laughs> no, no, you didn't. I was like, I'm not going to argue with you because you would have receipts. <laughs> <laughs> you think I keep all the old old audio? I don't. <laughs> yeah, that shit's invisible. You're right. <laughs> you are agreeing to be recorded right now. <laughs> anyway, wow. Woo, this got off the rails. Oh, how um, about them Bruins? Some people like them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. You know what? Since we're talking about Sean Corrali, why don't we talk about that game last night? I'm still excited peeing. That game was ridiculously fun. It was ridiculously fun. Like, top to bottom. Are you Michael Fassbender's schlong excited? <laughs> I wish. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love... Seeing Toronto lose, I love seeing Toronto. Take <laughs> you're so professional. This is fantastic. <laughs> I have to, someone has to be right now. <laughs> I gotta tell you, that's not where I thought he was going with it. <laughs> Good job, Tim. Good job, Bravo. Keep going. I really, really like seeing them lose. A lot. Isn't it fantastic? <laughs> oh, is the Leafs fans like they're just just so 
they're so starry-eyed with their team, and I just like seeing them not happy because, like, they were fun not happy, and then they're happy a lot now, and they're not fun. Toronto fans are going into the Bruins' Twitter feed, the Boston Bruins' Twitter feed, and say, Boston fans are the worst in the world! They're the ugliest, too! When they're saying shit like that, you just want their team to lose so bad. And it's delicious when they do. And it's like, they, honestly, they gave up like on Friday or whatever it is when it was announced that, that, that Anderson was going to start. Freddie, Freddie Anderson got himself a case of the Pasternak flu. <laughs> David Pasternak is quoted in November saying he loves to beat Toronto. Over the head with a fucking bat. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, Tim, continue on. Just, just, I like, I like crushing their dreams. I like seeing everything just burn down to the ground. And it's it's just so marvelous. It's so wonderful. And the best is like especially like when it's the same people over and over again. Like, you know, Pasta has taken up that mantle where like Patrice Bergeron, Leaf Killer, Brad Marchand, Leaf Killer. Well now Pasta I think it in his last like 13 games including the playoffs he has like 12 goals and 13 assists against the Leafs or something like that that's ridiculous and awesome and then like that third goal was such like a back-breaking goal at the end of the period you know you figure oh it's the end of the period you know they're not gonna they're not going to score. We'll go into this tie at two. Nope. You have Corrale skating like a back out of hell, getting to the puck, passing it to Pasta, and Pasta being like, hey, guess what? Fuck you. I'm Pasta. And boom. 3-2 <laughs> into the second intermission. Okay, yes. Yeah, so last night, uh, Boston Bruins played against Toronto in the Scotiabank Canadian Air Tire arena up in toronto and they beat them three to two i prefer calling it the arena formerly known as the acc okay and just assume that its new name is actually an unpronounceable symbol oh like prince (laughs) we're just off the rails today i just can't i can't but anyway it's because we're so freaking giddy from last night oh my god that game it just sean crowley who i'm in love with now had how many points he uh he had a goal and he had two assists on each goal he had points somehow it's amazing you know how good was it to see tuca oh he was playing out of his mind like an abs he was absolutely dominant now yes yes he gave up two goals we'll just get this out of the way that first one it didn't look good but on the recap, but on the slow mo and stuff, you can see it that he that was so out of his control. Was that the rolling one? Yeah, that was just weird yeah. and fucked up. We call it the coin slot goal. Yes, because it just <laughs> rolled, and he thought he had it, and it just rolled through. Just, just tumbled right through his coin slot. Now he said it. You know, he made gestures on the ice like, "No, guys, that was on me." So, you know, hey, okay, it sucked. And then the power play goal. I can't blame him for that. That goal was just disgusting. Well done, Mitch Marner. Now go fuck yourself. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Accept yeah. <laughs> these commendations and fuck off. <laughs> I second that. <laughs> Finally, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Make like a tree and go fuck yourself off into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm really surprised last night that there were so few penalties. Yeah, there were actually. no penalties in the third. There were only, I think, uh, Boston drew two, and I think did Toronto draw? No, Tor- Toronto drew two, and yeah, Boston well, drew yeah. three. Because there was yeah. that one like really embarrassing holding penalty against Kevin Miller. It wasn't a good look. <laughs> That was a lot of holding. That was a lot of holding the stick. A lot of holding the stick. Wouldn't put that stick down. <laughs> Hope the other guy bought him a drink first, at least. <laughs> That's like some second date stuff, not first date stuff. That's like second date. <laughs> not quite a hand job, but just like a prolonged stationary grip. <laughs> Howdy, nice to meet you. <laughs> this is like a 20-minute Trump handshake. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely some locker room talk there. Oh, my God. Okay, so... Uh, you really give him once over. Okay. <laughs> and a twice and a three times over, right? <laughs> I mean, okay. he was searching okay. for contraband at that point. <laughs> <laughs> what we're saying, Kevin, is let go of the stick sooner. <laughs> Don't get mystified. That was <laughs> Let's get right on. <laughs> okay, so anyway, I am really surprised because there is a lot of um there's a lot of animosity between these two teams. Ain't fans of one another. Nope, nope. They hate each other, which is great hockey. It is fantastic hockey when the two teams just hate each other. There wasn't really any fighting or anything, you know, but there's bad blood between the two teams. And the fact that they held it to so few penalties is uh, amazing. None in the third. The third period, there was no scoring. There were no penalties. It was like seven minutes without a whistle. Oh, and it was just like some of the most harrowing hockey I've watched all season long. Like, especially the last, like, you know, I say five minutes, but it was probably longer than that, where I'm like, my hand, my my hands are like right around my head. I've got them wrapped around my fingers and like, I, I, I've i got this specific stance that I, I Again, I, do. I, I said this on Twitter, I was screaming like Chris Tucker in, in, in the fifth element. It wasn't good. Poor Ju- between Julie and Tuca, no one here was happy about it. i was like humming loud to myself like like i was like just about rocking back and forth like it's okay it's okay but i'm i'm like i'm humming and i'm like get it out of the zone oh my god get it out of the zone get it out get it out (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but 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 then at the same time so, so when they got hemmed in like that it was terrifying but other than that like the Leafs could were were not getting particularly clean zone entries. Like they were getting they were carrying them in, but then getting fanned out to the corners almost right away was this beautiful a frame defensive structure the Bruins were deploying. Like I don't I don't know if I've ever seen a team play like play that before. Like it's really like I've noticed that strategy. I was like, that's really good. They come in, you just spread them. I mean, if they manage to drop it back to someone in the middle, you're fucked. But you, you, you <laughs> control their lanes. Yeah, you control their time and space. Like good defensemen. Yeah. 
See, lots of people like the showy, flashy defense work where it's like, look at me, I'm a defenseman, I can move the puck up the ice, and I can shoot and score. I like the, like, shit where it's just like, nope, we're controlling everything. Hi, I'm, I, hi, I'm Brandon Carlo, you're over there now. <laughs> <laughs> I am asserting my 6'5 frame. And my, like, 12-foot wingspan, because he's got, that uh, was one of his, th- his attributes going into the draft, so that the arms are unusually long, even for his height. <laughs> this is why I like him. Yeah, this, this, this is this is why I like him because I don't like people with short arms. <laughs> uh, yeah, people that can't reach their own pockets are weird, and I don't mean people with like visible disabilities. I mean people that just like lost the genetic lottery. Like I know people that have arms like like Wahlberg arms. Or McConaughey. <laughs> McConaughey is the same way. I've never noticed it with McConaughey. It's not as bad as Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg's arms don't reach the bottom of his rib cage. But... Yeah. I... <laughs> It always, it's just because I, I'm used to drawing the figure and the figure is like, is usually regimented in a certain way. Like you can predict what a human figure will look like based on lengths of the body and stuff like that. And the arms predictably come down like at the, you know, top to mid range of your thigh. Okay. That's basically, my arms are a little long. Believe it or not. I'm, I'm quite aware mine are, mine are a bit long as well, yeah. Yeah, because, like, every single piece of fucking clothing I get, it's like the arms are too short. It just drives me nuts. I reflexively, you know? even if I acquire a shirt that has long enough, my first impulse is to roll up the sleeves just because I'm like, this is the world I know. Thank you. So it, it always freaks me out when arms are a little too short, but and I... It, it, and guys, like, like I will give guys like, like, like Wahlberg and McConaughey credit because they're really buff. Their arms seem shorter because they puff out to... <laughs> because they knock their earphones out of their, their ears. <laughs> Go on. Well, they, seem, they seem even shorter because their arms puff out to the side with with them. In their case, it's real. But what a friend of mine referred to as having phantom lats syndrome, someone with really beefed up lats carries their arms up on the sides like a... <laughs> <laughs> like so because they can't bring them further down little T-Rex arms yeah so when you already have three have arms that are unusually short like say Mark Wahlberg um, and then you get buff suddenly your arms don't even reach the bottom of your rib cage anymore so I, I don't know how he doesn't just have to wear like a fanny pack but like tied right below his nipples all the time just to be able to get to his wallet and phone I don't know probably because he has people to carry that stuff for him so he's like oh no you carry uh, people with normal arms you're right yeah it's true. I mean, why he, he did Entourage was like about was supposed to be about him and his and his posse when he first got to Hollywood. So like that makes sense. He, what else is Turtle for before, before besides dealing carrying stuff when your arms are too short to meet, reach your own pockets? Exactly. By the way, listeners, we all know that you have perfect arm lengths. Just wanted to put that out there. Unless you're Mark Wahlberg, in which case you made good. You made good in the world despite your tiny arms, buddy. Good work. Yeah, I, I think that the world has paid him back for that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Brandon Carlo, one of my other favorite subjects to talk about. Man, oh man. Last night, he led in defensive time on the ice, by the way. Or not defensive time on the ice, that's dumb. He led the defense in time on ice with 23 minutes and 5 seconds. Oh wow, he like blew them away. Fuck. <laughs> he was second with shorthanded uh, time on ice with 148. Chara had 154. So that's pretty amazing, I think. Uh, Carlo, everybody was talking about Carlo last night. Or Bob Beers was talking about Carlo. How did I hear Bob Beers talk about Carlo? 
That's a very good question. Were you listening? To, no, because the hockey show would have been yesterday morning. So. I don't yeah, know. The, Maybe it was yesterday morning. I don't know. Or, oh, no, no. I know how it was. Oh, I had to go pick up something just before the game started. Uh, I was in my car and I had to go do that and I came back. So, yes, that's how that worked out. Anyway. There's a bunch of other defense developments yesterday as well, of course, too. Right. But McAvoy's back, and um, when it came down to the big drum roll of, oh, my God, all seven useful defensemen are healthy at once. Sorry, Steve Canfer. You're just a body, though. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Um, Everybody was there's a bit of tension about who was going to sit, and I was worried. It's like, please don't be Grizzly. Like he's been our best one. Of, he's been arguably our best defenseman all season, like just in terms of the ability to actually be there all the time, unlike everyone else. Unfortunately, it was John Moore that sat. Yep, yeah, and and Cassidy said we'll see about Monday. He he's probably going to be in tomorrow night. I feel like it's John Moore and Kevin Miller that are the ones that are actually competing for a spot at this point. Possibly. I mean, I understand if, if they want more beef on the left side, but, like, how do you scratch Chris Lick at this point? I don't see how you can. If it wasn't, you know what, I would I would find, I would consider finding a way to dress all seven defense. We've talked about that that view of mine before. And at this point, I'm like, oh, there's reasons to bring all of them in. And then plus crew can play all of the power play if, they, if there's seven defensemen. Yeah, I mean, you don't really need him in back in the defensive zone. <laughs> uh, I, I think again, I this is why I'm in favor of this, or actually, I'm in favor of the league allowing for a 25-man roster, for allowing you to dress 13 forwards and seven defensemen and just have specialists. I love why the not? idea. I, I love the idea, to be honest. You have that in football. Yeah. You uh, you have it in baseball. But then again, this is a league that won't even get people like swapping out for the other goalie for like shootouts. Which is dumb. Like, I can understand some of the reasoning, but it's like, well, if you got two goalies and one's way the fuck better in the shootout, why wouldn't you switch, right? That's what I would do, but that's not what they do, and that's how we are. Tuca has been impressive in the last five games that he's played. Ever since that shit game before Christmas, he's been excellent. Yeah, and I was thinking about this yesterday when I was doing some dishes or something. I was thinking, you know, I think the thought process, because it, naturally when you have two goalies that are playing well, you want to say controversy. Oh, my God. <gasps> Instead of saying, hey, oh, my God, you know what? This league should really consider switching to a format where you actually have two good goalies. You know, where it's just, it's just like, you should be glad that you have two good goalies that can play pretty much any time. You can, you can swap them in and out. You can play one a couple times if you want. You can play them each, every other game. I, and get over the idea that when you're platooning goalies, the combined cost can't be more than $8 million. Yeah. Like, this is, I mean, we are spending a lot on goaltending. Less than the Habs, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, to be fair, though, I mean, I think we're spending less than the Hab starter. Yes, we are. We're spending substantially less than the Habs are spending on their starter. <laughs> I think it's a wrong notion to to think about too hard on the cost of, of something like your goaltending unit. Goaltending is too important part of the team to, to shirk on your backup, I think. Like, unless your starter is Henrik motherfucking Lundqvist. 
spring for a good backup because you know what? You may have Jonathan Quick, and you know what? Okay, polarizing goalie choice, but like, okay, widely considered by hockey men. I'm not making the crack that most stats people do, but like, you know, you know who I mean, people. We think very highly of John Quick, despite the fact that honestly, I don't think he's nearly as good as they're giving him credit for. But he's getting injured a lot, and the Kings keep getting sunk by not having, but by not because they haven't had a backup worth the meat they're made of since since Martin Jones left the team. Yeah, yeah, he's super <laughs> injury prone. I mean, I think that he tore his groin that time, and it's just not. It's never been the same. Oh, no, no, no. Groin injuries don't really... I'm not of the view that they ever get better, to be honest. I know for works medicine, people may disagree. I'm like, I don't know. Especially if you're Especially a fucking you're goalie. A goalie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Didn't Tuca have a groin injury? Uh, yeah, but it was, wasn't was a severe one, I guess, or something. It did require... I don't even know. Anyway, yeah. Tuka's been great, and you know what? He's getting great now, just as Halak is actually, like, a seriously dimming star. Yes, what did I say? What did I say about Halak? He was doing great for us when we needed him to be. The rest of the time, you can't expect him to be that. No, if you've watched Halak at any time in his career, you'll know that he does really great at times, and then he kind of reverts down to a normal kind of way. It's like that, that Calgary game, which was his last start, I think. No, besides the Caps. So, so his last two starts, he won, he's lost in the, against the Caps, and he won, the team won the Calgary game in front of him. Yeah. Halak had an awful game against Calgary, good fucking God. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the noticeable feature about the Calgary game was that uh, Tory Krug goes send the, the uh, puck down the ice, bounce it off the wall, and then... Uh, Pasta would make it through the the blue liners, the blue liners that were standing there, like basically at the blue line. Uh, they couldn't get clean zone entries because those guys were just taking up so much space. But Pasta could get by them and get in there and get the puck and then just you know shoot it on goal and score. Right? That yeah, that, that was, was a nice bounce pass. So they they had to get creative about how to score against Calgary <laughs> because they were so stout uh, on the line. But goalies are fluky, and they have really good games, and they have really terrible games, and there's this whole thing about vision and what's going on in front of them, and so on and so forth. And God, there's a lot of information out there to try to formulate. And here's the thing about our goalies. So one of them has um, uh, played 24 games, won 13, lost 7, um, and then lost 2 in OT, with a goals against of 239 and a save percentage of 924. The other goalie has played in 23 games, has won 13 games, lost eight, has a GAA of 2.41 and a save percentage of two of 9.21. We have two oh. identical goalies right now on on on, on the half season mark. Okay, <laughs> the second one was Tuca. Yes. Oh, I was right! Yay! Oh, I like this game show feature. We should do this every week. So incidentally, that means he's some uh, one more games on. Uh, I'm the same number of starts. Or should game number of plays. That's he's got one fewer uh, start than uh, than than Hawak does. But see, so yeah, he's got one game and he was a sub. But that doesn't count. So the games are. He did have personal leave. Yes. Point being is they have the same number of wins with um, essentially identical goals against average and save percentages at this point. It almost makes you think about 
Maybe when you think about goaltending, you shouldn't just think about the goaltender. You should think about the team in front of him. <sighs> yep. Which is what I've been saying for a long time! <laughs> well, again, that was one of my critiques of that big flashy article from Colin Beswick about him. Is that It's like, well, you picked the years after that contract. The Bruins played one good year and then shot the bed for three after that. <laughs> yeah, they did. It was very frustrating. <laughs> Anyway, I, I'm I'm happy that uh, that Tuka's getting his form back. I'm glad that Halak is good. Halak, you know, you know, what can I say about Halak against the Capitals? He didn't shit the bed completely. But um, uh, he needed to be better than uh, than that. <laughs> yep, he he did, he did. But you know, it was not as bad as the first game of the season. That's no. an improvement. That's an improvement somewhere, I guess. That first game of the season was just—it was just an atrocity. That first game of the season was like being put in front of a firing squad. Like I still don't understand people arguing about the uh, about the whole. Oh, we probably should talk about that. So Brad Marchand and, and Lars Eller. Oh, okay. Of course, you know, rather famously in that open, that disastrous opening game, um, after Eller scored the seventh goal. And celebrating in front of the bench, which now we have um, Caps Truthers saying that the celebration didn't happen. We all saw this, listeners. <laughs> There's video, and it's not a deep fake. You fuckers. but didn't you under? But don't you understand? Lars Eller doesn't can't melt steel beams. <laughs> You're right. He can't. He cannot. That's right. Anyway, so so Eller, of course, you know, is all kind of you know cheesed off at that, but Brad Marchand, as 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 you do. I mean, if you're a hockey player and you're not a Bruin, you're cheesed off of Brad Marchand, statistically speaking. Yep. Marchand managed to goad him almost into a fight, and then Marchand's like, oh, no, no, never mind. But you just threw your gloves down, so have fun with that instigator. <laughs> I thought that was a brilliant play. I was not really watching that game closely, but I thought that was brilliant on Brad's part because I'm like, draw the penalty. Like that, that was just that was expert-level penalty drawing, too. He's like, you want to go? You want to go? No, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Remember when Ference was like dragging PK Subban around that one time? That's what that looked like. It never looks good for the person who's doing the dragging, by the way. Never looks good. And people don't know, again, hockey men are freaking out about him. Like, that's, that's uh, we call that brilliant, you dumb shits. Yeah. Brad Marchand has nothing to prove. Uh, in this case, okay? I mean, so what's he going to do? I mean, okay, Brad Marchand goes out there, runs his mouth, and has to fight Ryan Reeves, gets his gets his shit caved in. What has he actually proved to anyone besides getting his already unattractive schnoz made more so? <laughs> I like Brad's nose. I think it's fine. And my point is, it's like, okay, he's not going to change anyone's mind about him now, so why the fuck would he bother being not being Brad Marchand as long as he's not getting himself suspended over it? Right. Uh, the first game of the season, he was tired of that shit. So he went out and as a motivating tactic that didn't really work, he went and fought Nar Lars Eller. Here's the thing is, though, you know what, Kenneth? Well, regardless of how you feel about, about, about fighting, that's someone in that team showing some kind of life after that game. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I have no problem with it. I, I have no problem with it because he was just like, fuck you, dude. I'm going to I'm going to open up a can of whip ass on you or whoop ass. Sorry, not whip ass, whoop ass on you. And I'm going to make you leak. That's what he did. He cracked his head like an egg. It's great. You know, the fact that 
Brad Marchand didn't want to go this time because he didn't really need to. And he drew the penalty. I think it's fantastic. Everybody applauds everybody else for drawing penalties in those situations. So why can't Brad do it? Fuck you. See, that, that's just Brad doing real, true, classic agitator shit. Like, that's the shit that, that, that he's good at. That's the shit that he deserves praise for. So, like, go with it, bias. Come on. Yeah, I thought it was great. I think I totally fine. And I really hate that Lars Eller and I share a birthday. Fuck him. I was just going to say we have to acknowledge that they played the mild. Who, our <laughs> friend of the podcast, Mandy, described in a, another written missive as being a corpse army. And I thought that was the best compliment that that team from Minnesota could ever, ever hope to get. They're a shambling, disintegrating corpse army. Oh, God. I know they played... Oh, they they were playing a back-to-back after playing in Montreal last night. Oh, I don't give a shit. You guys suck. It was, it was still a listless, they didn't bother to show up game. Yep, Corpse Army. That's a compliment. Move on. Bruins won! And they also beat Buffalo and Calgary since our last show, so, you know, that's cool, too. I, I have to say, I am a little bit sad that at this point in the season, we wrapped up the series against Buffalo and Toronto. And tomorrow we'll have wrapped up Montreal. Our three actual rivals in our division. Yeah, I think the rise of Buffalo is fantastic. And I think it's going to create better hockey for everybody when that happens. I agree. And Toronto is like just a thorn in our side. And we we constantly pick the thorn out and keep moving on. It's like, oh, fuck you. (laughs) Right, right. And then Montreal is just, they just suck. I hate them so much. And you know what? Fuck them. And it's just sad that it's like we're in the middle of January and this is all these things are wrapped up. Not even all three series will be done after game 46. Oh, it's so sad. So it's like I don't want to take Jack Edwards stance where it's like we need to play every team like 10 times or 15 times or 20 times a year. I'm just saying that I wish it had been spread out a little bit more over the season. Because now we've wrapped up these three. We've wrapped up so many of our East-West Coast things or, you know, Eastern-Western conference games. Now we've got to wait for the other three games for Tampa. Ugh, it's going to suck. And we still have several games against Florida and another Detroit game somehow. I thought that... And another game against Ottawa. Fuck! Uh... (laughs) Honestly, I'm kind of a fan of playing, like, divisional division opponents more often for for example baseball i mean they grant they have almost double the amount of games in a season but still they play they'll play their division 18 to 19 times a year each team well here's the thing is we you don't even play your entire division the same amount you play some teams five times and other teams four and we're only playing four against our th- all three of our actual rivals on the other hand, you don't need to play the other division in your conference. You don't need to play the teams in the other division in your conference three times. Like, do, you, do Boston really need to play Columbus or or Carolina three times? You know, I am totally... You, we don't even need to play the Caps once. You know, that's true. Yeah. We'll, just give, we'll, we'll just give those games over to over to Seattle and it'll be great. We don't, we don't need to play them. For some perverse reason, I, I like watching the Bruins take on the, the Penguins. But the Caps, I, I just never want to watch those oh, games. Oh, yeah, but the Bruins, because the Bruins and Pens games are great. And, like, the Bruins, like, Bergeron just completely disassembles Crosby every game. 
play. And it's great to see that because I don't know if anyone else really does. Like, you know, Jack Johnson and Brendan Dubinsky have both been credited in the past of Crosby, not killers, but Crosby antagonists. And Jack Johnson is on the Penguins now. Yeah, but like they both been credited. But the problem is they're both such inferior players to Crosby. They can only piss him off, really. Whereas Bergeron, you know, actually like eliminates a significant portion of Crosby's effectiveness, which is actually what you want in a in a neutralizing figure, not just someone that pisses them off. Right. And you want him to be perfect as well. Oh, yes. All right. So we're going to move on. We have talked about all those games I played. We talked about Toronto, which was really the game. That was the game to watch. Like, we're actually trying now to combine our forces and watch one game in common and talk about it. Because before, we were all over the map. Yeah, we were having a rough time actually having seen the same game this season so far. So, Yeah, so I said, and I was right, Toronto. That was the game to watch. You were fucking spot on. That was... Yeah, it was a beautiful game. I mean, that last five minutes, it was like playoff hockey. Or last ten minutes. The last, that last period was playoff hockey, and it was fantastic, and I can't wait until it's, that series happens. Well, I was going to say, that watching that series was like uh, that, 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 the John Boy um, uh, tweet. Um, uh, watching playoff. Why watch playoff hockey when you can just, you know, snort cocaine and ride a motorcycle out of, the, out of a helicopter? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be more soothing. <laughs> It would be less awful for your health. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought I was going to die last night. It was great. <laughs> I, I needed to soothe myself. Um, anyway, we've got some news to talk about. Some Bruins news. Where am I going to start? Okay. First thing, Patrice Bergeron. Remember how we said vote him in? He said, uh, I don't really want to go. But if I get voted, I'll go. I'm not going to OV this. Or do the Crosby thing, which is worse, which is fake an injury. He's like, I, I'd prefer to stay at home because I could use the sleep, being that I have a newborn at home now. Zach Bergeron must be at maximum hooligan stage because the kid's, what, three now? Yeah. Well, you know, Zach Jr. <laughs> is probably just not allowing them to have any sleep. And I can only imagine what it's like for the Krejci's with Zach Jr. Jr. <laughs> Zach, Zach, other Zach, and other, other Zach. <laughs> 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 oh my god there's three different legit spellings for zach so you can just spell them all differently it's easy you could c-h-c-k and just k oh shit there's a fourth the could, there, there's space for a z-a-c as well except that's ronaldo zach so let's just pretend that isn't a thing yeah we're not going to do that he, he did not inspire anybody's name choices let's just say that charlie mcavoy is back we already talked about that so charlie mcavoy it turned out uh we knew it was a lower body injury but this week they got really candid about it because he was coming back from it uh you know he had been skating this week and they eventually went from you know red non-contact to black jersey and then eventually he got into the game last night bravo excellent this is what happened to him against montreal in december on the 17th he uh blocked a shot and he got a cut on his foot so for a couple games they shot him up to relieve the pain because it didn't look like it was infected, but it looked like it was painful. So they gave him some shots to manage the pain, and he played. But then, you know, after he went on Christmas break, he actually had to cut his Christmas break short and come back to Boston because the foot was infected, and he didn't know what kind of treatment he needed. And I think that was a smart move, because you don't want to let infections set in, especially if you're an athlete. Right. Yeah, being uh, having to go with all Stumpy McNubs is probably uh, not a good plan if you're looking at an NHL career as a defenseman. 
don't fuck with it. If you think it's infected, get it taken care of. Well, as I said, there were some dumbasses out there on Twitter calling them soft over all this, too. It's just like, the fuck? Do you want him to turn into poor Pekka Rinna with that E. coli hip of his? This he missed, like, an entire thing. season because of it. Oh, that's awful. McAvoy has gotten hurt a couple times, yeah. It's also been, like, freak things. Like, concussion, okay. Damn, that sucks, but, you know... It happens. Getting cut heart defect. a shot. <laughs> a heart defect. Like, this is stuff you can't, like, you can't train yourself to not have a concussion. It's, it's, people are stupid. We'll put it that way. I think it's important to acknowledge frustration that, yeah, I mean, this guy is, you know, he's the heir apparent to being the number one defenseman if he isn't already. He's having a hard time staying on the ice, right? Through no real faults of his own. He's been dealt some bad cards here. So I, I think it's it's important to distinguish that you're frustrated by that. And trust me, I bet you he's even more frustrated than anybody else. But you don't need to call him soft. You don't need to name call. You don't need to just demean him in any way. This this stuff happens, you know? Besides, um, you know what? All that time he's missed probably makes his contract that he has to sign this coming summer a fair bit cheaper. Like, if you can get him for eight years at $6 million this way instead of 8 by 8 Yeah, you know what? I thought about that this week, too. And I also thought about how, like, the, the story that came out, like, a, a couple weeks ago, uh, which I like to call Tardygate, about how he supposedly missed a special teams meeting, or he was late to a special teams meeting and he was late to a bus after a game. And it turned out this was all a joke that Marshan pulled on the media. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but he he did it in such a way that it was like, you don't tell Hags these things. No. And and so basically, you know, it's like Bruce Cassidy came out and said, I've never heard of this. Like, this is this is not happening. And it's like I sat there and it's like there was a there was a moment that I had where I was like, could the team be putting this shit out to try to cheapen the deal this summer? Do you really think Marshy? Do you really think Marshy would uh, would get involved in that kind of shit? No, no. I'm just saying that I think that Marshy. I thought that Marshy was caught in a candid moment. I think so, or, or he was just being a, being a fucking joker. It's sort of how he played it off later. <laughs> right. So it's like I I don't know. I all I know is this is that I don't put it past Boston teams to do certain things with the media. That's all. I know it sounds tinfoil hockey helmet. I mean, this is a, this is we're talking about a team that that fired you know their winningest coach of all time uh, on Patriots Parade Day. Yeah, so I'm just saying, like, thought about and that. that keeps and that keeps Joe Haggerty around for some kind of reason because he doesn't serve an actual purpose. <laughs> and they could just you know yank his press pass at any time. It's like this man's not contributing to the media experience. Please send someone else, NBC. <laughs> You got DJ Bean, and yes, I know he wants to be media star now, but, you know, he could do that. There are any number of people who would jump at the chance to do it. What I'm saying is this, is like, yes, I understand. That sounds conspiracy-minded, but I don't know. Um, I, I, It was a brief thought I had. I'm not propagating this. I'm just saying I thought about it, and I don't think it's true. But, you know, one thing that we forgot to talk about, and I should have talked about this before any of the other stuff, because I was trying to keep it lighthearted and whatnot. I, we forgot to talk about Jake DeBrusque and that goal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the only worthwhile thing that happened on that Tuesday game. Against the Corpse Army. Caught a goal. It was a it rebounded off of um, uh, the logo on his chest and into the net. It was the smile 
and the look after that was like that was priceless that was i know that you said oh he but he didn't know how to celebrate after that that was the celebration it was fantastic like the, the, the look on his face, you could just hear the Curb Your Enthusiasm music. The look was kind of like, am I going to get away with that? There was no distinct chesting motion, I guess, so. No, there wasn't. <laughs> there, there was definitely no chesting motion. And it was Bershey that well, who's the one that actually passed it? Was it Bergeron? I think it was Bergeron because he yeah, had a lot so. of points that game. Yeah. Because I'm not entirely sure he didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> well, I mean, Jake, let's put it this way. Jake thought if I if I move my stick up to get this, this puck, I'm going to be playing it with a high stick and it's not going to count. So he thought, what what can I do? And here's my chest. All right. And by the time he, he made a decision, it already bounced off of him into the net. <laughs> Jake... <laughs> Jake DeBrusque, probable 30-goal scorer this season, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yay! All right. And so finally, this this last piece this is not really super happy in some respects. I mean, it's kind of bittersweet. Uh, Rick Nash retired after 15 seasons uh, this week because of the aftermath of concussions. And uh, basically, the medical advice was that if he continued to play, it could become much worse for him. And seeing that he has young children and a small family at home, I think this was the best decision for him, obviously. I agree. He's I, he's made enough money to like have his family be well off and stable and everything like that. Enjoy, enjoy the rest of life. Don't make it harder than it potentially is going to be or could be. And it's good that he's doing this just to, you know, go ahead and be a dad because he is such a fucking dad. We're talking like Patrick Marlowe level levels of just such a fucking dad. <laughs> and, and keep in mind, Rick Nash has never met a camera he didn't like. So he could have a job. Oh, yeah. When he's ready, he's ready. He could, he could crush it on, uh, on, on, you know, discussion panels and stuff. Right. Oh, absolutely. So- so there could be a job in the wings for him. So bravo. That's interesting because it's not common for a star to be that good in the media, really, right? Yeah. And like you know, and that's what Rick Nash is and was. He was a star who had the misfortune of playing on a garbage team through his peak years, and it's shitty. It's like it's like Ilya Kovalchuk. Like there's the thing about Kovalchuk's punchline now, but like he was that good. And again, he played a bunch during dead during um the uh, pre mid second lockout. So deadest of dead pucks. And then just on a hot garbage. And it's a shitty deal. It's a shitty deal. Because, like, I can think of it at Rick Nash. And no one was talking about this in the, you know, retrospective. Oh, Rick Nash retires. Like, Rick Nash was part, what was a part of the best line in the 2010 Olympic hockey. Yep. Oh. They, he was part of, he was, he was the left wing on, the line, on a line with, um, uh, with Jonathan Taves and Mike Richards. That are the reason Canada even got to the, got to the opportunity for Sydney to have that golden goal. Oh. They were the line that steamrolled the Russian power trio, power trio of Malkin, winged by by, by Kovalchuk and Ovechkin. The three of them just caved it in. Nice. And it's sad to think about that. It's like, really? Really? Taves is the one that's left? God fucking damn it. <laughs> because, like, <laughs> because, like, Mike Richards was a was his, his deeply troubled and flawed man, but, like, was interesting as a hockey player. Rick Nash is a very interesting dude. Jonathan Taves suffers from a terminal case of not being Jonathan Taves. Mr. Robotnik. <laughs> Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> Dr. Robotnik, sorry. 
Um, so yeah, uh, and no one was talking about that. So like, this is really like this is where Rick Nash really shined with winning that gold medal because that gold medal was his, Jonathan Taves, and and, and Mike Richards is gold. But all anyone talks about nine years on is is Sid's golden goal in overtime. It's just the it's the nature of not uh, hockey. They really want to talk about the big stars, like not just the stars. Well, the also big stars. remember Sid won gold for Canada on Canadian soil that Olympics too. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, because I was but like that was like in Sid, Vancouver, right? Yeah, but like Sid had been so average that whole that whole tournament until that point too, which is just like <sighs> anyway. So. Pour a little out for Rick Nash, folks. Glad to see him retiring on his, um, more or less on his terms that he had time to think about it. It's kind of refreshing that it's like he didn't sign a new deal and then decide he couldn't play. Because I think that nobody wants to go out that way, do they? Well, that's the thing. So this is, there's some serious honor in, in his decision here. And I respect that. And I respect the shit out of that. And like, there were several teams that were apparently checking up on him regularly. Boston included. Mm-hmm. Apparently, also Columbus and the Leafs, and there was one other. I don't remember who, though. Right. So if he wanted to, he could have come back. Which I mean, this was his choice, which is spectacular. Most players that re- retire for health reasons, if they retire, it's not because they chose to retire for health reasons, because no one would hire them, so they retired for health reasons. Well, even players that a contract ends and they've had health reasons, they don't. A lot of them aren't necessarily choosing to retire on their own terms. No, of course, never, never. They Whereas never he, are. I mean, like these weren't on his own terms necessarily. Obviously, in an ideal world, he would have kept playing, but it wasn't that no one wanted to hire him. Is that he decided no one should hire him, and that's very different. And and he decided that his health was more important than the game, and I think that that is truly commendable because there are a lot of people where it's just like they're like, I I want to play hockey. That's all I know. I want to keep doing that, and it's like if you do that, you run a lot of risk. And I think this is the difference between players that are playing now and maybe players that were playing like 20 years ago or before. 10 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm not as well versed, I will say. Now, I I know that when we had talked about this earlier in the week, you were talking about trade deadline implications. And I don't know if it's something you want to talk about now. or I don't have a lot of detail right now. Just sort of general thoughts. Okay. Rick Nash was the big score to be had. Um, non-Ryan McDonough division, seeing as Pacioretty and Carlson were clearly never actually being traded that day. And the Bruins gave up a lot of treasure for him. I mean, it's looked better in hindsight because Spooner has turned into, gone from being, you know, an unspecial something to being literally nothing. Mm, poor Spooner. Yeah. But, um, it sort of gets... Oh, well, yeah, exactly. Like, that's... It, you got to stop and look at this one, and it has nothing, no reflection on Rick Nash. Rick Nash actually looked pretty good when he played, even in the playoffs, at least within reason, right? Despite, you know, great injury and all that. You got me thinking, it's like this was going to, so a player that's now officially retired a few months later, he was going to be our, our big push over the top. But I'm not sure what it makes me do is question the entire philosophy of, of deadline acquisitions mm. or just question the conventional approach to it. There, there are some teams where it seems like they go all out at the deadline, and it works well enough. Well, but there's I, the thing is, is, there's not a lot of teams that go all out at the deadline and then win that year, right? So Boston right. did in 2011 for sure. You know, they had three ba- they had three major acquisitions and parted ways with a pretty considerable amount of treasure for it. Because you know, a second for for Kelly, the Wheeler trade that brought Peverly in, and then of course the Caberlet trade. 
And the Leafs and well, the Kings the next year did the same because they because they uh, traded Jack Johnson at first for for, for um, uh, Carter. But the second of the three um, uh, Blackhawks um, cups, they didn't give. They didn't sell the farm to get it. In fact, they didn't like it. They're, they're, their big trade that their big acquisition before that one was Michael fucking Hanzus. Ah, uh, yeah. Exactly right. Their their third cup they did because they were able to. They had all that space because they you know played LTIR games with them uh, with with Canes. Uh, so they were able to acquire Teeman and and uh, Vermette, right? But but like neither of the the Pens game team teams didn't go all out at the deadline before either of their wins. Remember, Kessel wasn't a deadline acquisition. No, Caps didn't go all out. Their acquisition at the deadline was Michael Kempney. So what you're basically saying is that some of these other teams. They they did make some trades in season before, well before the deadline, and that actually was the stuff that 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 worked out better for them. Well, basically, what I'm saying is like so. So 2011 and more recent, I can think of only three cup winning teams that went big at the deadline. Okay, us the Kings the first time, and I'm not counting the Kings the second time. Sure, they picked up Gabbert, but they paid peanuts for him. And a cheap acquisition is different, I think, even if it's the player that you would otherwise pay that much for. Sure. So it's real. Like it's only three of those of those teams that gave up a first at the deadline. Us, one Kings team, and one and one Blackhawks team. And I think that's why, as the players generally that are available are old and busted and can only bring so much. You're trading on reputation, which is why I have no interest in a, in a trade for for Wayne Simmons. Right, right. That said, this year's big, but this this year's deadline's interesting because there's a lot of 26 and 27 year old U- pending UFAs on the market. Your Duchesne's, your Stones, uh, your Ryan, your Ryan Zingle, uh, Michael Furland. Like a lot of these guys are shockingly young to be available for their quality. So maybe this year's different, but I don't know. I just don't feel. I don't um, got a good feeling about the deadline anymore. Not that I ever really did, but honestly, I wouldn't for the sheer fact that because I don't think you're gonna get anyone who's gonna put make you like make the team good enough to beat Tampa Bay in the playoffs. I don't think anyone's beating Tampa Bay in the playoffs this year. If you want to beat Tampa Bay, you have to go all out. And while that third line, you know, well, whatever, whichever line, you, what number you want to call it, the, the Forrest Baca line, the, 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 the JFK line, you have to acquire both a top six wing and a, um, a third line C if you want to beat Tampa. And even then, it's at best a crapshoot. Yep. Like you could go out there and like acquire the best of each, so you could get Michael Stone and uh, and Kevin Hayes out of it, uh, coming out of it for those two positions. Hayes is on pace for a seventy point season. Yeah, I mean, like you've given up everything for that for for those two players. Then those are the best two players for the two roles Boston needs, and I don't think it gets them over the hump. No, I agree. Well, there's about six weeks until that deadline. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see. Anyway, but like just thinking about Rick Nash has got me thinking about that in general. It's like, ah, deadline's a paper tiger. You, you trade for the big fish and he retires six months later. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't know that he had that concussion history. And then he got a concussion. I think, Jeff, I think you're right in general in all of sports, though. I think a lot of sports put in general, like the trade deadline is kind of like a big deal. Football excluded because nothing really happens with a football trade deadline usually. But like it's the sm- I think it's the smaller acquisitions that you kind of give up a- not a lot for that end up making like the biggest impact. Like you look at twenty one, twenty eleven Boston, 
Which of those three tra- acquisitions was most important for that win, you think? Peverly, Kelly, or Coverlay? I would, I would probably say Peverly. I'm inclined to say Kelly, but it's real fucking close with Pever- for Peverly. Yeah. Coverlay just, I mean... But like, 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 like when we lost Horton, there were ways around it that didn't require specifically Peverly. Like they could have put Sagan on that top on that top line right wing. True. Um, but Kelly made all that possible, right? Because we had a third line center, and that team went through most of the season without a third line center. Anyway, it's remarkable they got where they did with basically nothing back there. So obviously, the solution is to get Chris Kelly back again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love me some Chris Kelly, but no. emphatic no hard no (laughs) (laughs) but it would be interesting to see what kind of player is chris kelly like that would fit riley nash oh god damn it (laughs) riley nash is is explicitly chris kelly and we've known this for since actually when we signed him like his hero charts back at the time for Riley Nash's last year in, in, in Carolina was identical to 2011 Chris Kelly. It was remarkable. <laughs> God damn it. Have we said on this podcast, not maybe this episode, but we have said, like, we shouldn't have, like, Riley Nash go. <sighs> I really fucking shouldn't have done that. Oh, Riley. Can we get him back? <laughs> For, like, a decent price, please? <laughs> Both that. All right. Well, now that made me sad. Everything about this whole conversation made me sad. Uh, yeah, I know. Two bags was well. Anyway, anyway, Godspeed you, Rick Nash. You did a. You were a good hockey player, and it's sad to see you leave the league this young. Namely, having to announce your retirement at my own age upsets me. Oh yep. yeah. I wouldn't have been his draft class. I would have been the twenty. I would have been the two thousand three. The next year, but um, he was an eighty four birthday, so. Oh. It was just an early 84 rather than a very, very end. Yeah. I'm sorry about this existential crisis that you have now, Jeff. <laughs> I mean, it's actually rough, like, going back and looking at, like, all these players that were, like, the core of some of the best Canadian and American national teams. And it's like, these guys are all my age, and they're all mostly old and busted, except for, like, Patrice. Well, he's being held together by duct tape, magic, and perfection, so... However, you know, here's the great thing is if you go back and, you know, now, because you have almost entire careers retrospective, you redraft that 2003, do you think there's anyone that says he isn't first overall? Well, I think the Habs would have grabbed him right up. They would have snatched him up like that. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, good God, but you know who drafted first overall that year was was Pittsburgh, and they drafted Math. Who? Ooh. They drafted Flurry first overall that year. Pittsburgh could draft. Well, for starters, they never oh. would have drafted George Stahl years years later. But like, imagine that Pittsburgh with Berge as their third line center all those years. Oh man! Wow. Yeah. Fuck. Right. God. <laughs> all right. So we had a couple of things from Mandy this week, which were funny. Not as funny as dog farts, but you know, funny. <laughs> I mean, some dog farts are funny. Other ones are just like mustard gas. Yeah, Marlo's the mustard gas variety. Oh, man. The other night I was laying down. He walks right up by my face. Boom. Done. And then just jumps out of bed. And I'm just like, yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. It's some some expert level crop dusting there, Marlo. (laughs) (laughs) My dog farts nothing but floral clouds. Okay, anyway. That's not true. Uh, But she doesn't really fart that much. 
So, Mandy this week, she was very impressed by last week's episode. I just had to take a 15-minute break in the middle of Barely on Topic to listen to a little Neil Diamond, dead serious. We did our job. Woohoo! Let's clap. We did. We made some Neil Diamond happen without having to be the fucking Red Sox. Sorry, Tim. (laughs) And she did say that Diamonds in the Rough is definitely a thing, by the way. I haven't thought of this movie in well over 10 years, but here we are. It was Saving Silverman, which I had also seen but forgotten about Diamonds in the Rough. And then... I want you to know that the thought of Bruce Cassidy wearing a fez made me snort aloud in my car and I almost had to pull over. Again, doing our job. (laughs) I mean, it's a great image. It really is. (laughs) And then Dr. Robotnik slayed her. We did it, guys. We We did did it. We did well. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't hear anything from anybody else, but we did well. Considering how many times Mandy says she can't even finish the episodes. Or <laughs> that she's just constantly yelling at us. Yeah, for getting like some like <laughs> quibbling detail from the 90s wrong. <laughs> or like she feels like she's having a conversation with us, so she's yelling at us. <laughs> 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 Bravo, we did it. <laughs> By the way... Uh, at one point in the second quarter of the uh, Patriots game today, uh, they played Cheap Tricks Surrender at uh, Gillette, and it was, like, fantastic. I loved it. I I really, really enjoy the the music at Gillette. Uh, They played some Tones on Tail, which was always fun. It was good. Uh, Anyway, so that was Who Talked to Us this week. You, too, can talk to us. Oh, it, Jeff was just having a surrender moment. Um, <laughs> you too can talk to us anytime, and we'll tell you the details on that later. Okay, so I guess we're going to talk about the schedule. I was going to do the whole uh, your mom reads the schedule, but I think that I, I think I'm ill prepared for that this week, and I don't even know how far we're going in the schedule. So that was going to be a new thing because you know we've tried so many ways to tell the schedule. So a lot of a lot of games this week. Ooh, tell me. Well, um, I'm gonna have to do this from memory because I left the computer where I had all this stuff up. But oh, so oh, they start oh, they start off by playing the Habs tomorrow. That is uh, Monday the fourteenth. Fourteenth, thank you, of January at seven thirty p.m. at um uh, at Montreal. Instead of Montreal, is in Boston. It is in Boston. In Boston, because it's Peaky, Habs. It's Peaky oh. Bruins. That's oh, the... yes, it's Peaky Bruins poster night. Yes, <laughs> and I want to be there so bad. So bad. So bad. So, yep, so they're playing the Habs and, uh, and Claude Julien and uh, stuff. Old friend Ken A- Kenny Agostino, apparently, too, because, you know, it's a thing. You know what? They can both go screw. Not each other. Yeah. Just I mean, screw. they could. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah, you know, you do you, Claude and, uh, and Ken Agostino. <laughs> but I, I don't really want to picture it, so let's move on. <laughs> yeah, Wednesday! Wednesday, there's a game. Yes, Wednesday they are playing the Flyers at Philadelphia, which means Gritty! Gritty! <laughs> <laughs> I Gritty! I hope Gritty! I hope they show Gritty, 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 Gritty! Here, Gritty, 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 Gritty! <laughs> and then the next night they are hosting the uh, St. Louis Blues. That's uh, at uh, at Boston. Oh, that's so sad. 
<laughs> That's gonna be such a bad game. <laughs> maybe maybe they'll like acquire like Braden Shen halfway through or something, and he'll just switch and he'll just switch jerseys like like at the space off dot at the start of the second, just rip off his blues jersey. <laughs> yep, yep, I like it. Let's do it. It's not how that works. It's unfortunate. I know. But, <laughs> and then it's what the Rangers on Saturday. Yep, at the TD Garden. And then they go into the bye. So uh, it's a busy time. Oh, yeah. I hope that they, they have some trips planned somewhere nice and warm. Yeah. They go into the, because they got the bye, they got their bye week and the All Star game like lined up in a row, which is great. They didn't do that last year to teams, and this is so much better. <clears throat> they get nine days off. That's nine true. days off. They need wow. it. Yeah. I know. I know. Uh, that's extra foot healing time. That is extra knee healing time. That is extra getting Sharing their sleep. wives don't want to divorce them time. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Extra time to spend with their dogs. I I think next podcast I'm going to do an in-depth feature on on the Pucks and Pups calendar. Oh, you should, you should yes. Or Pups and Pucks, whichever one it's called. I should because I, I, have, I have two copies of it. Oh. <laughs> I bought one. And I almost bought the David back as signed one, but um, I didn't because I'm a dork. And uh, we got one in the charity bag. As you would. As you would. So so I have one upstairs. I have one downstairs. It's fine. Yeah, so seven days off. That's pretty impressive. Uh, or nine days off. Sorry, nine days off. Oh, my God. But again, but again, first they got to play four, five, four games in the next five days. <laughs> and gritty! Gritty, 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 gritty. I mean, gritty's pretty much a vacation so <laughs> from reality <laughs> the best kind of vacation <laughs> gritty's not normal but on meth he is <laughs> yeah um by the way when i was growing up we used to call our cats inside every night by going here get it 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 so that's why if I you do... say if you say here gritty 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 i'm pretty sure you just get mauled this is your gritty. This is your gritty on drugs. It's the same picture. It's the same gif. It's him turning around. That 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 first one that everybody saw. That that captivated. Gritty, not even once. It doesn't even need to sound like meth. Dump just gritty. All right. So excellent. We we have that whole schedule thing down i think that um i think we're i think we're pretty much done right <laughs> yeah, yeah, so uh, i'm uh, sorry i'm just like thank you uh. thank you listeners if you've been listening to barely on topic um you can of course uh, hear us on soundcloud stitcher uh, google play itunes or wherever your favorite podcasts are found if you do find us somewhere else let us know that way they can take us off the milk carton <laughs> <laughs> You can also talk to us um, on Twitter at Barely on Topic and uh, on Facebook at Barely on Topic Podcast. And of course, our individual Twitter um, Twitter accounts, if you so dare. I, of course, am at Dr. Hand Grenade. That's um, at DR Hand Grenade spelled with AID. So I don't really feel like spelling the whole thing. But uh, it's a whole Monty Python thing. Yes, it is. See? I know stuff. I am at Tim A. Richardson. <laughs> I'm at here, goody, 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 goody
Also known as et <laughs> BA from RI. <laughs> Tim? Gritty! 